When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. The only thing I'm, uh, you know, really that we're concerned about for Everson isn't anything to do with football. It's about uh, him getting better. And uh, in the five years that I've been here, I've always loved Everson. The, the effort that he puts out, the work that he does, the chance to count on him in game time and, uh, you know, even in practice. So he's always been a uh, really, really good model for us. And uh, obviously he's going through some tough times now. You know, I'm not really going to talk about you know, things that we talked about internally um you know again we just i just hope for the best for him he's a, he in the long run he's a really good kid I, I hope to see him every day but you know I, the only thing i'm you know it's nothing to do with football football yeah this is uh this has been a, a weird saga here with everson griffin the police report that came out and we've been going through this matthew collar throughout the course of the show today. So, what are your what are your just your general thoughts? You're in Los Angeles, and the Vikings do have a game coming up here in about 48 hours. And if we're looking for, you know, reasons for why they may have looked so just awkwardly sluggish against the Buffalo Bills, I'd have to think that the Everson Griffin stuff was was at least playing on the minds of some players. What what are your thoughts on all of this? I definitely think that's a factor in what happened on Sunday. It was so shocking to see them not show up and not play as sharp as they normally would. And usually in games that the Vikings are favored by that much under Mike Zimmer, they blow the doors off the opponents. I mean, when you look at last year, the last two weeks of the season against Cincinnati and Chicago, they just ran away in those games. They looked focused and strong. And then in this game, just no matter where you were sitting for that one, you could tell that something just was not quite right. And I don't know if this explains all of it, but it might explain some of it because this is, not just a player. I mean, this is a heart and soul type franchise player who's the leader. He's the guy who's in the middle of the defense talking before the game, getting everybody hyped up and focused and ready to go. And to have him going through this, it's it's not just an injury. It's not just a player missing. This was very much uh, more than that, it seems. So, you know, I, I think it definitely could have played into what happened on Sunday. So it, since it looks like he's going to be out for a while, Collar, what's your best guess about going forward here, what they do? Do they move Hunter to the right end, or how do they go about uh, trying to replace a guy who got a career-high 13 sacks last season? Yeah, I think that that's what you're going to see is Daniil Hunter will move into Everson Griffin's spot, and then Stephen Weatherly and Sean Bauer are going to kind of split the other spot. I, I think Weatherly is a little farther 
along than Bauer, so we may only see Bauer for a handful of snaps, and Weatherly takes the most. Uh, on Sunday, Weatherly played 51 snaps, and uh, Bauer took 22, and I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of continues to be the trend. Uh, Stephen Weatherly is not Everson Griffin because almost nobody is Everson Griffin, mm-hmm. but you know, the one thing about uh, this team, the way that they've drafted guys in the late rounds and brought in undrafted free agents, they're looking for guys like Stephen Weatherly, who is a seventh-round pick, extremely athletic, has you know really long wingspan, is tall, kind of fits into the exact mold of a you know of Daniel Hunter and what they're looking for, and then they bring them along slowly, and that's been the story for Stephen Weatherly, who's an extremely smart player too, and he's made big progress, and I think that he's actually been quite good through these first couple of weeks when he's gotten his chances. So uh, you're not going to replace Griffin. No way, not close. I mean, he's one of the best players at that position in the entire league, but the guy that they're handing the ball off to here is is not a mess. It's not a disastrous situation, I think, to have Weatherly in, but uh, there is no way to replace Everson Griffin. So, Carla, we know the Rams are good and they're 3-0, and and we know they put up a lot of points, but what, what sort of... What kind of offense is Mike Zimmer's defense going to be facing on Thursday? Like, what are we expecting to see from Jared Goff and, and the rest of that offense? So the, the best way you might be able to describe it is just multiple. I mean, that, that they can really do anything. Wait, wait, wait. Say that, the, say that again. Say that again. Multiple. Football! Football, yeah! yeah. Football! Yeah. Football! Yeah. Thank you. Gotta eat. Thank you. Gotta eat. Uh, you know, because they can do anything. I mean, this team has an incredible bevy of, of weapons that is even more impressive than the Vikings, and that's what we talk about all the time with maximizing Kirk Cousins' skills. Well, I kind of look at Jared Goff as being very similar to Kirk Cousins. They both are, are very accurate, and they both have a ton of playmakers and weapons, and what you'll see from Sean McVay's offense all over the place is you know, different formations and different motions and things like that and just finding all sorts of ways to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. I mean, last year, Todd Gurley, I mean, he's the centerpiece. He averaged 12.3 yards per catch for a running back, which is obscene. You never see running backs having that much success uh, in the passing game. And so far I ran across this stat today that uh, when he's throwing at Cooper Cup, his quarterback rating is 146 so far this year. I mean, this is an offense that has all sorts of weapons and one of the smartest offensive minds. And now what I'll be really interested to see is how Sean McVay adapts to what happened last year because Gurley got shut down by the Vikings defense last year. Mike Zimmer played mind games with Jared Goff and and used Harrison Smith as a chess piece uh, to the extreme, I I think, last year against the Rams, and that really threw them off. So now how is Sean McVay going to adapt to what Zimmer did last year? More potentially bad news for the Vikings for Thursday's game, Matthew Collar. Uh, Riley Reef was would not have practiced on Monday if they had practiced. Well, the Vikings practiced today, and guess what? He didn't practice again. So the speculation is that uh, Rashad Hill, if he can play, might have to swing to left tackle, or Remmers goes to left tackle and Isadora starts at right guard. The point being, none of it's good. There's no good. Uh, nope. There's no and and this also might explain with the foot problem why Reef looked so pathetic on Sunday against the Bills. Yes, I think it does because I, I have a ton of respect for Jerry Hughes, but Riley Reef had had a really good first two weeks. I mean, really good. Like I, I thought, boy, if he's playing left tackle like that, this offense is going to really roll, even if it isn't perfect in some other areas. And then to see him 
just allow 12 pressures when like five is a ton and to allow 12 pressures mostly to Jerry Hughes was really shocking and now it makes a lot more sense that he was probably battling an injury throughout and we had talked about just how important he is to the success of this entire offensive line I think I prefer the option to have Rashad Hill and Brian O'Neill based on the other team's personnel because in the middle it's Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald and those guys are monsters they're both top five players at their position. Aaron Donald would have an argument for a top 10 NFL player. He's so dominant. And so I think you need all the talent you can get on the interior. It helps to have Pat Elfline back. At least Tom Compton has played in the NFL before and has actually been pretty competent so far through the first couple weeks against pretty good interior defensive line. I would not want to see Danny Isadora trying to take on those guys for his first uh, playing time basically since in duty last year against uh, Cleveland, I believe, was the, the, time, the only time that he started last year. So I, w- I think they would much rather use as much talent as possible to match up. And if you're going to have your rookie and Rashad Hill on the tackles, this is a team to have it against because their outside rush is really not that impressive. It's, it's Wade Phillips dialing up creative blitzes that you should be concerned about, but it's not like they have a pure edge rusher that's going to scare you. Matthew Collar is with us from Los Angeles, where the Vikings and the Rams are going to play in about 48 hours. You can find his written work on 1500ESPN.com. It's some of the best uh, around the league. It's, he does a wonderful job, and he also hosts the Purple Podcast. Sage Rosenfels is a regular. Courtney Cronin. And uh, Cronin tweeted this from the Sean McVay conference call, that the, uh, the, the Los Angeles Rams have a clock management specialist on their staff. Hmm. Jed Fish, who actually was the Gopher football offensive coordinator like 10 years ago. And so his his main focus on game day is communicating uh, during crucial clock situations. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were an NFL head coach and you had access to a clock management specialist, how would you want to engage or use that person? Like, would you want them just next to you all the time, like interrupting you? How, How would you implement that? I think I would want them in a very sterile environment in the press box so they could not be influenced by anything that was going on on the sideline. Because I think that that does happen to coaches when you're talking about game management stuff, that there's an emotion of the sideline that's a little bit different from us sitting at home. Because so often, I mean, if you've played Madden through your whole life, you can usually watch a game and know exactly when they're supposed to call their timeouts Mm -hmm. and, and what the best strategies are for clock management. But it's always a little bit different when you're down on that sideline, uh, you know, trying to manage a hundred things at once. So I think I would want that guy just to have, you know, a headset upstairs and focusing on, you know, kind of the, the numbers. And maybe sometimes you don't always go with the numbers. Maybe sometimes you do get a feel for something uh, and it is time to call a timeout or not time, or, or maybe you feel like your guys can run up to the line and, and get a playoff quickly or whatever it might be. Um, but I would want to know that guy upstairs, all the research that he's done and what he's seeing to just to just have that. I mean, you think about all the coaches that football teams have, the you know the special teams assistant coordinator of something or whatever. You know, I mean, it, it's actually amazing to me that teams didn't have way more of these before, or every team didn't have someone with the clock before because it is so vital on game day yeah and I, I you mentioned the madden reference and that's sort of a thing that people laugh at oh yeah okay video game guy but no you 
it's a little bit not to keep bringing up poker analogies on this on this radio show, but it's like these online poker players came in 15 years ago and they just logged way more hands than the brick and mortar players because you could play a bunch of screens at once. Like Madden players play a lot of snaps in those situations. I'm not saying they should ever be trusted to head coach a football team, but in terms of clock management and game theory, absolutely. Well, I think all over sports you're seeing things that people did with video games turn out to be kind of the right things to do in the NFL or the NBA or elsewhere. I mean, you think about spread offenses and throwing more often than ever. I mean, these are things that gamers have been doing since the uh, the Tecmo Bowl days, right? Yes. And, I mean, even in the in the NBA, everybody's looking around going, you know, it's uh, spreading the floor and shooting threes. It's like... Well, I mean, video gamers always stacked up with Kyle Korver and Steve Novak and put them in the corner and had them shoot three. So, I mean, you're you're right, though. If you're talking about uh, all the numbers, all the data, it's right there when you should uh, punt, when you should, you know, call timeouts and things like that. And if you have someone dedicated to that research, that can win you games. And really, if you want to see an example of going the other way, Andy Reid's career has basically been marred by him not being able to handle that stuff. Yep. All right, that's Matthew Conner. We'll check in again here uh, throughout the week with you during the football hour as we move closer to Vikings and Rams, and uh, we'll direct people to the Purple Podcast until then. See you, Matthew. Football, Matthew, football. Football, football. Thanks, guys. (laughs) All right. Uh, Zone coverage. Before we come, now you're just shouting out football terms. The nickel. (laughs) Darn straight. Uh, we'll come back with more of the football hour, and we'll wrap with Roycey in about a half hour, Judd. But first, it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get... Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, with a look at your traffic, brought to you by Better Business Bureau here in the uh, TCL Broadcast Studios, 35 W Northbound. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is a big one. We have a crash near 60th and Diamond Lake Road in Richfield, adding about 24 minutes to your commute. So uh, be on the lookout for that if you're headed northbound on W towards downtown Minneapolis. Also, 94 westbound, uh, we've got a crash between Weaver Lake and 95th Avenue North in Maple Grove. Uh, the left lane is blocked there. That's due to a wreck there as well. And 494 westbound, a uh, three-minute delay. That's because of a crash uh, in Richfield between uh, Penn Avenue and Xerxes. Join the Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. The BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advanced trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Now in second and ten. Middle of the field, ball up in the air. Did it ever hit the ground? Yes, that's intercepted. Never hit the ground. Milano already has a fumble recovery. Oh, my. Has an interception. Football. All right, so last night, last night, Steelers, Buccaneers, four more roughing the passer calls. There was a fifth one where they actually, gentlemen, picked up the flag and decided, you know, on second thought, you know, that was close, but it's not, not a call. And they are now... Purely guessing. So that, that leads to this ESPN.com story Dan Graziano published this morning. <laughs> the NFL's competition committee is scheduled to speak on a conference call next week about the prol- proliferation of roughing the passer penalties, two sources told ESPN on Tuesday. <laughs> the sources said the committee, get this, this is what I love, okay? We're in week, we're through week three now. 
The sources said the committee is concerned about the frequency of these penalties and has voiced those concerns to the league office. Yeah, yeah, that's... You think? Welcome welcome to the season. You You think they should be concerned? And you know what? I said this before the season, and I will continue to say it. I don't blame the referees because I don't think they have any idea what to call. It's too complicated. The rule book is already too thick, and they keep adding things. All right, knowing that we all want to keep quarterbacks as healthy as possible because it's more fun to watch Tom Brady versus Russell Wilson than it is watching the Jacoby Brissett's versus Brett Hundley's versus, you know, whoever, wherever. Is Matt Castle still? Like, you know. He's still in Detroit, yes. Okay. Detroit. Yeah, he's Matthew Stafford's backup. So we definitely want those guys to be on the field, but we want the game to still look like football and if and if clay matthews if clay matthews hits a quarterback uh you know between the the chest and the thighs and drives him down to the ground in standard tackle form i don't want that to be a penalty so what w- let's draw parameters here i think if you leave with your helmet helmet's a helmet i'm fine with that being a penalty sometimes you get these tough calls where quarterback lowers his head but whatever like don't leave with your helmet so i'm i'm fine with that in general if you hit a quarterback between the chest and above the knees. Whether you land on him or not, I don't care. That's a clean tackle. It mm-hmm. should be a clean tackle. And so, if a guy gets hurt, he gets hurt. I mean, because at, at like I've said before, you can't just like you you can't just change a rule or put more emphasis on a rule just because a guy gets hurt. Now Rules to keep guys from deliberately going at somebody's knee or deliberately going at their head. I get that. I get that. But you, if if a guy is getting injured, like Aaron Rodgers did last year on a tackle, on just a standard tackle, why why do we have to overreact and say, "Oh, we we got to put more emphasis on the, we got to put more emphasis on this rule now"? Just because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And I'm with the, like I don't want to I don't want to watch Brett Hundley play I don't want to watch Decon, uh, Deshaun Kaiser play but come on it's ridiculous if you're gonna go this far because you can't I actually heard this during the day on Monday and I think I saw a player try to do it last night and this is how over the top it's gotten the new idea for defensive players and I'm serious here because this is gonna sound crazy the new idea is as you're going at the quarterback. Spin him, grab him, spin him, pull so, him down. So, so he lands on you. Pull him down on you, and then go and then take him to the side. And I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. And then I swear to God, I saw a player do it last night. Now he ended up on top of the quarterback, but it was a rollover on him. Yeah. Didn't Kirk Cousins get sacked on Sunday where he kind of got he got right he got grabbed and and they didn't yeah, call he got it. whipped down and and Aaron Rodgers got the same thing and they didn't call it. Yeah. That's why. That's why this is ridiculous. But they're guessing. But. If this is the if this is the idea, let's and let's just say the idea is God forbid at least five mm-hmm. to eight QBs get hurt because if they get hurt, the ratings go down and people don't watch Packers or the Patriots. Then I think you got to go with my idea of developing technology where you have some type of electronic technology that the quarterbacks just declare down because th- I don't I I hate I, that but this but this is this is as ridiculous as that and to ask when you're asking a human being officiating an, an event. To make a weight distribution call, <laughs> that's so impossible. Like that's that's that is completely unfair. Yeah, I think the other thing that drives me crazy about this is I hate problem pointer outer guy that doesn't bring solutions. 
It's so easy to sit there in any context, whether it's watching a football game or at home or at work, and point out all the problems. Boy, that's dumb. That should be different. Boy, can you believe the way that that system operates, right? And it feels like the NFL is doing that and not providing any solutions. Oh, you can't tackle that way. Leading with the helmet? No, no, no. no. You can't land on a quarterback with all your weight. And if I'm a defender, I want... Okay, that's fine, but like, provide me some solutions. What can I do? But their solutions, the the fatal flaw of this league when it comes to uh, the competition committee and the rules they pass is the fact that they do it over cocktails in March with slow-mo. NBC it slow-mo? Whatever they... CBS it? (laughs) Watching watching old Nance Romo film? But that's how they do it. The Fox tracks. They sit sit in a room... (laughs) And they legislate, this looks bad, how, how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, we're going to be asking officials in real time, bang, bang, to get this right, they back it up, they slow it down and say, okay, so-and-so here put too much weight on that quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, so that's their fix. And if you're, you know, if you're a defensive player, I saw a story that came out yesterday, and I don't know, maybe this is, I saw Trey Wingo retweeted this, but there was a player that tore his ACL because he was trying to, he was tackling a quarterback and he tried to do the roll off to the side, and he tweaked his knee, and now he's going to miss, I don't know, I think it was an ACL. But the point was, hey, he tried to avoid a quarterback, and now he blew his knee out. So is it is that what you want? Is that Do you want, do you want defensive players to be awkwardly contorting themselves? And then you had that situation. Was it in the uh, Packers game, the, the Packers defensive lineman who – didn't know whether or not Kirk Cousins had the ball, so he oh, just stopped. He just stopped pass rushing him, and he like, got that's ridiculous. And he completed the pass, right? Yeah, and it benefited yeah. the Vikings, but it was absurd that. So was, oh, there's a doubt in my mind. I better back off, right? All right. The well. Matthews call too. Same thing. Well, and and to your idea too, Judd. The the crazy thing with that is like, somehow that will become complicated too, because then it'll be then then it'll become well, was he close enough? Was he close? Was he close enough to the quarterback to to for it to be ruled down? Let's let's review that now. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, no, you're right. And then the other thing too is, and I hate my idea, but I'm just oh, saying no. that, that and, if you're going, you can't ask human beings in real time right. to make weight distribution decisions. And then and then with that too is like okay, now on the the other side of it is okay if you have quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger who are good at escaping situations. How does that affect them now? Because yeah. in a situation where, yeah, Everson Griffin or Daniil Hunter or somebody might get close mm-hmm. to Aaron Rodgers, and in situations where he might get away, now he's going to be, now it's, well, he's close enough, so now we're going to call it a sack. And Aaron Rodgers might be like, no, I would have gotten away. Well, with, I would have got away there. Correct. One of the three or four most famous plays in Super Bowl history was Eli Manning. Jersey being tugged at, running yeah. out of the pocket, and, and just heaving catch. a pass down the field. And if we go to some sort of, I can't believe I'm saying this. It is Judd started it. Two hand touch or beep system, right? Like Eli Manning yeah. would have been down, yes. and that game would have been over, yeah, and Patriots the Patriots would have been, would have been undefeated. Yeah. So it's yeah. But hopefully we'll that, that just speaks here. to how absurd this this whole thing has gotten. Well, the frustrating thing is this too. The reality of the situation is that these if you want to change this game, which they're clearly trying to do, you need to do it at grassroots, right? Like with kids. Cuz kids can learn if if I come up tackling a certain way, I can get that. 
But you can't go to a bunch of guys who earn hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, who have played this sport one way their entire lives and being like, we're changing the rule. No, haven't you heard, though? Yeah. They are changing it at a grassroots level. They're taking away all the pads. They're putting the kids in shorts and T-shirts, giving them shin guards, and making the ball round. <laughs> it's crazy. I bet they never score, though. Yeah. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Get United match reactions and MLS news straight from the team. Tonight, Adrian Heath and Jamie Watson will be at O'Donovan's in downtown Minneapolis for a live Adrian Heath show broadcast from 6 to 7 p.m. presented by Heineken. Come watch the show. Talk soccer with the guys, win prizes, and much more. Details, 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. That's coming up in uh, less than a half an hour from now, Adrian Heath's show. And actually, too, Adrian Heath is one of the more fan-friendly coaches you're ever going to find in professional sports. So if you've if if you become a fan of Minnesota, and Jamie Watson's awesome, too. So if you just, honestly, you go, you show up at O'Donovan's, and you walk up, they'll cheers a beer with you, and Adrian Heath will, will tell stories can I get so a free don't, beer don't from be him? Afraid. Why do you need a free beer? Will they buy me a beer? Because <laughs> I'll stop by. What are you? What the are twins you? are playing, but I'm confident there won't be a big crowd. I think parking around Target Field won't be too hard tonight. Judd will walk in. Yep. Spotted cow, please. Yep. Yep. Right here. On him. Right over here. On the gaffer. Always looking for freebies. <laughs> gaffer makes a lot of money. Why don't you buy a beer for somebody else? <laughs> Why don't you take Jamie Watson under your wing? Jamie Watson you doesn't be Jamie's need Jamie's dad. Jamie. You could mentor him. Jamie doesn't need me. <laughs> Jamie left me. Doesn't need me. Uh, we also have we got some some uh, let me let me see here we've got some stuff to give away let's do this six five one six four six eight two five five four pack of tickets to the Minnesota Zoo Jackal Lantern Spectacular caller number five let's go caller number five it runs all month all through October the Minnesota Zoo Jackal Lantern Spectacular and we have a four pack of tickets right now to give away to the fifth caller six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. As we sit 48 hours away from this Vikings game, and by the way, Thursday night, Mackie and Jill will be extended up to kickoff, basically, or close to it. Uh, we're going to run our show all the way up, and the beer show will be uh, Friday night this week. Throwback four-hour show. It will be. Yeah, well, for you. Gonna be, yeah. I play solitaire Yeah, what are you doing from three to four? Because <laughs> I don't listen to my own show because of that. Yeah. Early four night you hours of Mackie and John. They are still on the air. Um, what is your... <laughs> So these Thursday night games are really, really tricky. You can't treat them like regular Sunday games. And the the secondary of of Los Angeles is ravaged as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the cornerbacks are both up. The Vikings are definitely underdogs, but I almost feel like, sort of like the way people were jumping all aboard the Vikings bandwagon to blow it against the Bills, I feel like it's easy to jump on the Rams bandwagon for this game. And I don't know, I'm despite all the bad things that are happening, I expect a full-on difficult Vikings team to deal with if you're on the Rams side? I guess my biggest concern uh, from a Vikings standpoint, personnel-wise, is if Riley Reef really can't play and Rashad Hill has to play left tackle, that's going to be... that's And the way the Cousins plays the game and holds the ball, it's going to be extremely difficult. So I, I'm not just eliminating all, all the outside factors that we could talk about. That one, to me, is really difficult to get past. Uh, defensively, I think they'll have a good game. I think they, I think they, they will play well. Rams are are very good offensively, but I just think that offensive line, if Reef can't play, is going to be in real trouble. But I will say that I, I, and maybe it's misplaced trust, and I'm just, I we haven't seen enough yet. But I do trust John D. Filippo 
to come up with some adjustments and a game plan. Okay, offensive line is going to be a problem. Rams have a crazy good defensive line. I I don't expect the Vikings just to line up and say, all right, well we're gonna we're gonna play Smash Mouth or we're gonna do the same old thing. I I, I expect a creative game plan. I wouldn't be shocked to see a few things that. Make you say, oh, okay. In, quick like, passes. Trick, trick plays, quick passes. Dalvin Cook maybe if he plays. Sure. Yeah, you, you I can, can see that. You can get the ball to Thielen, Diggs, and Dalvin Cook quickly and let them do a lot of things after the catch. Now, when you're trying to get it quickly to Kyle Rudolph or to Latavius Murray, right. they're not going to do a whole lot after the catch. But Thielen, Diggs, and and Dalvin Cook can do a lot if you just get them the ball as quickly as possible. And I, I guess just because I've seen this before, I'm starting to become concerned that this just feels... Like like one of those years for the Vikings. Now we're three games in, so it's premature. But when things start to go wrong sometimes, especially coming off of good seasons for this franchise, it sure seems to snowball. It is true. And I'm not saying that's going to happen for sure on Thursday, but it's hard having watched this team for a long time now and seeing uh, a 2010 or 2016. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to feel affected by the fact that this feels like things are just starting to go wrong. Some things have gone wrong that were in their control. Some things definitely aren't in their control. Yeah, and I, I, it is, I don't want to be a fatalist, but I really think if they don't get one of these next two games, you can pretty much put playoffs to bed. If you start 1-3-1, and one, and, and the only saving grace is that the Bears are the team you're chasing in your division right now, and the Bears are going to be, it's going to be very difficult for them to get to the playoffs too. Absolutely. So it's possible that nine wins puts you in a really good spot in this division. Wouldn't that be something? Compared to our expectation for this division and this conference could be extremely different by eight games in compared to uh, when, when we talked about it before the, the year. Because Green Bay, if Aaron is out or he continues to be hobbled basically for the entire season, that changes the entire dynamic of that team in a in a huge way. Yeah, like nine, six, and one. What do you, what do you think, right? Is, does nine, six, and one win you this division? It might. I mean, because Green Bay's. Looking kind of blah right now. Does Rodgers come back though? Does he get healthy at some? That changes it back a little bit. But right now, see, doesn't look like it. With that knee, and I don't. Was it a? Is it a MCL? Is that what they're saying? They're not. They're not saying exactly what it is. I mean, and unless he sits for a few weeks and then comes back, but if he sits for a few weeks, you can probably chalk up. Three, you know, if he sits for three games, you can probably chalk those up as three yeah. losses I mean, without him. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, here's the math. And Just, is he going to be healthy enough to get them to be better than nine, six, and one? Well, let's say nine, six, and one is is safe. Well, I don't know if it is. It's possible that ten the ten wins get. It's weird because the tie makes, it throws you off here. Yeah. If they lose the next two games against really difficult teams, road environment, and they drop to one, three, and one, and then the schedule lightens up. You'd still have to go eight and three the rest of the schedule to get to nine six and one. So so you, you know, and you're probably not going to sweep the Bears. You're probably going to split with the Bears. Yeah. It's Cole a Max going to make your life miserable. Now all of a sudden, if you if you do split these games, and you know tiebreakers too, as you're looking at the rest of the NFC, uh, if if you can split these games, I think you're in pretty darn good shape with some winnable games yeah. on your schedule. But it's two, yeah, two this is an important one looks stretch. A lot better than one one three and one. Yes. Even I'm though it's Phil. just a difference of one game, it looks a lot better, and you're in a much better situation. I, I hate think. this damn tie. It, it's, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, this tie it's is going to drive me crazy. I'm bad at math, and I just hate it. Like 9-6-1, and one, you're better than a 9-7 and seven team. Right. Right, okay. Because it's happening. But 10-6, your 10-6 and six team has to be. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, 
Play 15 minutes, decide the game. What if they get another tie? Okay, if you went 9-5-2. and two, I think there was one year where they did, they did have two ties. The under, Vikings? Under, under Bud, yeah. I think, in the 60s, yeah. Two or three, I think. Yeah. So if you, if, you, if you go 9-5-2, and two, let me write this down here, okay? We'll bring that up with Pat when, he, when we get him on here. Yeah, because Bud played for the tie. I think that's Pat's old thing. <laughs> Are you, but are you better? Who's better? Nine five and two, or or nine and seven? Nine five and two would be. I think so. Yeah, because yeah, right? okay. that would be yeah, a yeah, win. That'd be a yeah, win right. and a loss. You're right. No, it'd be tied, right? Because a tie is better than a loss. No, it'd be tied. Because a tie is more valuable than a loss, but it's not as valuable as a win. Who's on first? <laughs> uh, we'll get go to a shootout next time. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh. It's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic here. It's brought to you by Menards, 694 Eastbound. We got a traffic incident reported. Uh, that is between East River Road and University in Fridley. And that's uh, adding a few minutes to your commute if you're headed eastbound on 694. Also, we still have that crash between 60th and Diamond Lake Road in Richfield if you're uh, traveling 35W uh, northbound. Seven minutes uh, added to your commute there. All right. Thank you, Manny. Let's get our friend here, Patrick Royce, in. So we're putting you on the spot here, Pat. Do you remember the 1967 Viking season? Three, eight, and three was the record that last year. Three ties, but the three, we used to say tie one for Bud. That was the uh, motto back then. Well, you, you got to know we weren't fully on the Bud bandwagon when he first arrived because hmm. early in that season they were playing the Los Angeles Rams with the fearsome foursome and those guys and getting their horses kicked. And uh, and it was 31 to nothing in the fourth quarter and Bud kicked a field goal. Uh, to make it thirty-one to, to kick, make it thirty-one to three. And when asked afterwards why he kicked a field goal, he said, "I didn't want to get shut out." Fair enough. <laughs> so, so that was Bud. He never, uh, he never lied about that stuff. But yeah, that was a uh, that was quite a season, three eight and three. And actually, uh, two years in sixty-four five was it sixty-five? And Brooklyn had a pretty good year. They uh, they were eight five and one, and it looked like they're turning around. And then sixty-six turned into a disaster. Tarkington demanded to be traded. Van Brooklyn quit, and Tarkington was traded anyway. And Butt came in. But uh, anyway, three eight and three that first year. So and it, you know there was a time, gentlemen, when they didn't count ties in the standing. What? So you were three and eight. Really? The ties didn't figure in the percentage. So just yeah. you just it just didn't exist. The game that you played, they, just, they didn't. Yeah, there was a time when they <laughs> so didn't how did exist. They, yeah. So Pat, how did I they figure to, that out in the standings? Then how did that work? Well, they just percentage. It was uh, you know you're three and eight, whatever your percentage was, and you know some other team might be four and ten, and you finished ahead of them. So, so if oh. if Van Brocklin left, Pat, why was Tarkington still traded? He wanted out. He wanted to go to New York and become a big. He wanted to get out of the prairie and go to New York and become a, a big uh, star. He was a raving egomaniac. But uh, then he then after five years there, when nothing happened, then he was getting more ridicule than he was praise. He decided to come back. And he looked around and saw that Viking defense and said, yeah, I think I'll go back to Minnesota if they'll take me, yeah. which was a very good decision on his part. Uh, you look up some of that Viking defense, uh, fellas, from those uh, – 
69. How many points they give up? 140, something like that. Some 120, yeah. something Pretty like good. that. Pretty good. Nine points yeah. a game, yeah. So, wh- All right, can I uh, make a statement here? No. Yes, you can. i got to make a statement. i got to make a statement. <laughs> Fire away. You know, I know you guys give Glenn Taylor a lot of heat, and you're down on tips, but I'm certainly glad we don't have a general manager who's going to announce, we're going to make a trade by 3 p.m. tomorrow, no matter how horse crap it is. <laughs> it's it's insubordination, Patrick. <laughs> Tips has been insubordinate, and Lynn and Lynn don't get it. They're going to make a trade. They are, uh, but they're not. Uh, they want to give off the impression that they're uh, not desperate to trade him. I don't think it hurts at all that he went to Jimmy uh, today or yesterday and said, "Hey, what do you do?" Do you really buy that? He can't give him up, Pat. I I don't buy this for a second that there's no, a strategy no, here. They're going to trade. They're going to trade him. They're going to trade him. Uh, but they're not going to. Uh, they, you know, this, I I tried to say this yesterday, gents. The the three teams that the agent mentioned are not, you know, where he's going to go because. You know, you're getting guys like Woj saying, well, he won't talk to players. Well, yeah, as I said, yeah, they won't talk to the Cleveland Cavs. You're right. When the Cleveland Cavs call, they won't talk to them uh, because they don't have anybody they want. So, uh, anyway, they're, they're going to make a trade. But I don't uh, think we should have to set that 3 p.m. tomorrow deadline. They, I, I agree with Pat. Judge. That was that was my idea, and it's because Tibbs is being insubordinate. And I'd fire him with cause and not pay. I, him. I would I would pay yeah, so much money to watch a hard knocks recap of Judd Zolgad GMing a professional sports team for one year. Oh, we 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 make it work, gentlemen. We make it work. Make some impulsive decisions. Got that right. Every Steinbrenner like you know what? I'd be fun to cover. What? But here's, I talk. Know, here's my problem. Here's my big problem with Judd. There is that. He's taking my guy Manny, who's uh, my protege, my guy Manny. I love Manny. We, 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 you know, we we introduced Manny to the world. Four deep thoughts, all that good stuff. Judd, you know, look at his track record, Mister Fun, Mister Fun. The guy loved life, and then by the time Judd was done, he wanted to go sell trailers instead to get out of the business. Then he got Dubay in there, sharp as a tack, just sharp, just a guy with a great reputation. Look what happened to him. And now he end up, might end up ruining my guy Manny. <laughs> I'm worried. What's Manny going to be doing in three years, Manny, Pat? Manny, I can see Manny nodding over the radio when Judd says, trade him by 3 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> Judd. Completely rational guy, man. You know he's gone through off the deep end. Anyhow, Joe, we need. You know how? Remember that wrestler? That wrestler Goldberg from the '90s who used to say, yeah. "Who used to wear the your yeah. the your next T-shirts?" Yep. We need. We need Judd. That's the State Fair T-shirt for Judd. Yeah. Your, your your next. next. No, I want a coffee mug. Roycey and Kenny got. I, I don't want a T-shirt. I never want a T-shirt again. I want coffee mugs or beer mugs. That's yes. what I want. Hey, by the way, I gotta say, I gotta say that I, you know, I think maybe uh, the Star Tribune has a little bit of an agenda on this, uh, on uh, this uh, Thibodeau th- situation too. Maybe Glenn ordered it. How do you like the photo they picked out today? <laughs> I showed Phil. Yeah, show That's great. Yeah. I mean, that was they went through. A, Brian Peterson's one of the great photographers in history, and they uh, said, uh, 
Okay, which which one makes them look like they're both going to the gallows here? This is the one we want. Scott Layden looks exactly like Grumpy Cat. <laughs> yeah, and Tibbs looks like he's gonna fall asleep. <laughs> it's uh, it's unbelievable. Because he's just been told to trade Butler by Wednesday at three o'clock. That's why. Three o'clock. Yeah. Three fifteen. Actually, well, we'll give him fifteen extra. I guarantee you what they're most afraid of. Uh, the uh, Thibodeau and Layden is uh, not that they can't make a deal with the other team. It's with uh, the owner uh, deciding to get on the phone and make any trade that he can get with one of his buddies. So, Boy. Yeah, you know, is, I mean, they got it. Don't you boys agree they got to try to get something here? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, this is what we've been talking about. I mean, you so your your new vision has to revolve around Carl Anthony Towns for the next decade. Okay, yes. part of it was well Jimmy Butler is part of the vision. Well, he's he's not anymore. So no. what, you have to you have to make a trade that helps fortify Carl Anthony Towns for yep. the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. I uh, you can believe you can't trade him for that Richardson and Oldick. The money the money works so. I don't know if they want to do that with Miami. If Miami, trouble is everybody like Miami's trying to get rid of Tyler Johnson, who's making twenty some million dollars, yeah. and the Wolves are trying to get rid of Jing and uh, and Sacramento supposedly facilitated. Well, they want to get rid of Zach Randolph, so everybody's. The NBA is the only league where everybody tries to make trades to get rid of people. You, know, so you said Tyler Johnson makes $20 million. You got guys yes. like like uh, Cole Aldridge making $8 million. So basically, yes. if you were six foot seven or taller two years ago in the United <laughs> States, you make yes. generational money. That, that Guaranteed. Is, uh, yeah. You know, I, I will admit that uh, t- t- my guy Tibbs has done a few puzzling things, including... Cole Aldridge giving Cole Aldridge seven million a year and then uh, uh, never playing him, which was an interesting situation. Yeah, Cole Aldridge was anyway. one of our one of our favorite Roy, uh, one of our favorite guests on the Mackey and Judd show. Dropped two S bombs. Got, got about 10, 10 minutes into a very casual, nice interview, and he forgot he was on the radio and started yeah. swearing up a storm. <laughs> <laughs> Lean back and dropped a bunch of yeah yeah, and we're sitting at the in the fishbowl uh, Skyway broadcast booth with no dump button, just praying that somebody back at the studio prevents us from getting fired. Back in the days when we were welcomed in that fishbowl, yeah. I don't think we're as welcomed anymore. The calls the, the calls from Wolves PR stopped coming around six months ago. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Pat. That's, uh, all right, gentlemen. Hey, tomorrow we want to ask you. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Danny, go home and put an ice pack on your brain. <laughs> Three o'clock, three fifteen tomorrow, Royce. I might need a cat or scan. I fi- or I fire him with cause. You're giving him fifteen extra. minutes. I'm giving him fifteen extra minutes, and then I'm firing him with cause, and he's not going to get paid a dime. All right. Okay. Well. Okay. Go for it. All right. See you, Thank Pat. you, Pat. Tomorrow we went, we got to ask him about Joe Mauer. What he thinks about is Joe Mauer going to retire? We should yeah. ask him. Yeah. Put a pin in that thought. I'm just glad I could provide him with some fodder. So I got to stay away from you now, Judd. What just are we going to do about the 3 o'clock hour? Do you think I'm ruining you more than Dubay and fun? Just That's I'm a rank not, him for tomorrow. I'm not going to touch that one. Don't let his negative gravitational pull suck you in too far. Let Judd be Judd. You be Manny. All right. You've been able I'm, to survive, Phil. You're doing all I'm right. I'm the spokesman of Minnesota sports, guys. That's all I got to say, okay? <laughs> Look at our current state. Bye. Yep. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow.